Welcome to Uncle Monster's Spooky Time Fright <laughs> Hour, your source for the straight poop on all things supernatural. We're your hosts. My name is Chris Anderson, but if you went to high school with me, you could call me Shibby. And I'm Ethan Sereski. And I don't give a damn about my reputation. Dun, dun, dun. Living in the past is a new generation. Dun, dun, dun. Living in the past is a new generation. That's funny. That's not how the past normally works. I think it's a new generation. Oh, you, you think it's the, the new generation is not what's living in the past. You think right. it's, it's you're, li- like you're living in the past. This is a semicolon. New it's a new generation. Yes, that's how I, I that's my read of it. <laughs> this week we're going to be talking about the bunyip. Woo! Ethan, why don't you hit always, these guys up with the premise? As always, on an episode of Uncle Monster's Spooky Time Fright Hour, one of us, me this week, mm-hmm. has done extensive research on a ghost, ghoul, goblin, or demon. And of course, uh, this week, that ghoul is the bunyip. The bunyip. And uh, the other one of us, Shibble, in this case, has done absolutely zero research, Mm -mm. does not know anything about the Bunyip, and is going to act as the audience surrogate for you guys to ask the questions that you guys want to hear the answers to. I sure am, and boy, I've got a lot of questions. Questions like, what is it? What does it look like? I hope we get to answer some of those. Well, if we don't, I haven't done it. A very good job at all, have I? No, I would be really disappointed if you missed those big ones. Now, do you do you know how I'd like to begin here, Ships? Uh, would you like me to enter my mind palace and imagine uh, the bunyip? Like Hannibal Lecter, I want you to go like you're locked up and go in that in that big palace in your brain and mm-hmm. and, and go in the the bunyip file under mm-hmm. the bees. Yep, B U to be. Uh, B.U. Neiman. <laughs> yeah, classic. He's back, baby. And I want you to tell me what you see in your mind's eye when I say the bunyip from Australia. Okay, yes, I did know it was from Australia. So I'm going to say that it is a giant koala bear oh. that lives in the bush, as they call it out there. And while uh, he... uh. Uh, rips up eucalyptus trees and he'll put the entire tree in his mouth and then pull it out and all the leaves are stripped bare. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that to me is a bunyip and there's only one. And uh, he uh, can uh, live in a cave underneath that big plateau. <laughs> that big plateau? Yeah, you know all... the one that I'm talking about. Yeah, the one, we're th- the one in Australia? Yeah, that big plateau in Australia, that d- iconic one, the name that I don't know. Right. Um, well, Nate, what would the name of a plateau be in Australia? Uh, I call it Flat Rock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know, there's only one way for me to communicate to you in particular and to the audience secondarily uh, what a bunyip is, because I know how you learn, Shibble. How do you learn best? I learn best via narrative fiction. That plateau is called the Null Arbor Plain. I like flat rock. It's true. Flat rock is very descriptive. Yes, <laughs> it, it absolutely is. Uh, so what I've done is I've actually prepared a piece of narrative fiction called The Bunyip. Uh, unfortunately, my voice is very fragile this week, so Shibble will be reading The Bunyip 
uh, for story time. And I believe that's what time it is, is it not? I believe it is, in fact, story time. It's story time. Story time. Story time with Uncle Monster. Story time. Story time. It's story time. It's story time with Uncle Monster. Story, story time. time. Right, I'm just going to edit in the theme song rather than sing it. Welcome to the Jersey Shore featuring Polly D. Yeah, buddy. I'm a DJ. Don't you see my DJ here? It's good for DJing. Nicole Snooky Polizzi. Give me that anonymous sex with juice heads. I'm the size of a fourth grader. <laughs> Mike the Situation Duchelini. I bombed on the rose to Donald Trump, but that's putting it lightly. And this new season, The Bunyip. I'm from Australia, and I'm cryptid. I hope they don't present any problems for me at the uh, Shaw House. Strangely, people uh, haven't seemed to notice thus far. <laughs> this week on Jersey Shore 2022, the situation sits at the kitchen table with his housemates. Yo, dogs, it's obnoxious to wear sunglasses indoors and then make my f official move peering over them with my eyebrows up. Snooky responds. Yes, guy who wants other people to call him the situation. Wait, where's my fucking peanut butter? Somebody finished my peanut butter. Peanut butter, buddy! The bunyip enters. Nicole, I had a schmear of your peanut butter. <laughs> Sorry I didn't ask you for your permission first. <laughs> I'll be sure to pick you up a new jar at the market. Of course, you did take... My water! Oh, Bunyip. No problem. I'm not even tripping. So it's it, not even tripping. I love you. It's no big deal. The Bunyip leaves the room after thanking Snooky for her patience and graciousness. Fuck him, right? That's my fucking peanut butter. Situation lifts his eyebrows and peers over his sunglasses at Snooky. There's something weird about that guy. Can't put my finger on it. But something's off. He never makes girls feel unsafe at the club. He's not a normal Guido. Yeah, buddy. Weird, buddy. He wouldn't even smush me when I climbed in his bed for cuddles last night. I mean, what the fuck? There's something off about the way he looks. At this moment, the bunyip enters the room again. Oi, Snooky. I remembered I had purchased some extra peanut butter last time uh, at the market. I'd like you to have it. Only right, don't you think? Enjoy it and good health. Thank you so much, Yipper. That's so nice. You're the sweetest ever. Aww. Bunyip smiles and leaves the room. What a fucking scumbag, right? Total garbage. Garbage, buddy. And his jeans are so whack. His muscle shirt isn't tight enough. It's almost like he doesn't belong. He has no tattoos, and he hasn't blacked out this season. All the while, Bunyip has been listening intently, with his ears pressed up against the wall, listening to his roommates badmouthing him. He has had nearly enough of these humans. 
Bunyip burst through the wall with his full cryptid strength, demolishing the fragile frame and drywall. Oh, shit! Bunyip, what are you doing, dog? I'm tired of hearing your petty mortal complaints. My chains and muscle shirts aren't tight enough. My hair isn't locked into place. I don't harass women at the club in the proper manner. I don't smush the one you call Snooky. <laughs> Enough! Bunyip rips off his shore outfit, revealing his true form. Bunyip is not a 20-something-year-old Guido, as the others had thought, but a long-necked seal creature with a small dog head, 12 feet long with a shaggy black coat. The Bunyip's bulldog face growls, accentuating his cute otter whiskers, outlining his sharp ivory tusks. Bunyip has a maned neck about three feet long with many folds of skin and a horse-like tail. Bunyip suddenly emits a terrifyingly loud roaring call. I am Bunyip! Bloodthirsty predator of humans, particularly women and children. Fun fact, I lay my eggs in platypus nests. The other cast members begin to scream and run towards the exits. The doors shut by themselves. The Bunyip has begun floating in a whirlwind of energy. You see, the Bunyip can appear as a water spirit called the Mulyawonk, which murders anyone who takes more than their fair share of fish, takes children away forever if they go too close to the water, and is a general badass. No, buddy! Help! Buddy! Bunyip, forgive us! You're cool as any juice that I know! The Bunyip clasps his hands together with a slap, and then suddenly the other cast members are unconscious. The Bunyip leaves the males and drags Snooky past the cameramen, warning not to follow. He will return to Australia with his one victim who came too close to his water. The amphibious cryptid would not return to reality TV, but he would return to his amphibious haunts to add ever more to the legendary tale of the Australian Bunyip. Chevy. Did I do all right? Did I do it justice? You were amazing. Are you kidding me? Thank you. So I the love Bunyip. the Bunyip character. Not yeah, so he's not a uh, not a giant koala, huh? Not a giant koala. Not uh, he's much weirder than that. Um, he is uh, he is that creature that I described. Um, a, a, a giant seal with a dog's head and a very long yeah. neck. Yeah, very long. Well, there's two. We'll and get tusks? into it, but there's two main ways he's depicted, and that's one of them. Okay, sounds great. I'm very excited. Yeah, shall we get into uh, the bunyip? Yeah, and is this our first trip down under on the show? Is this our first Australian cryptid? I I believe so. All right, I could be wrong, but uh, this one's uh, goes out to you, uh, um, uh, Australians. Yes, our <laughs> antipodal neighbors. <laughs> Does that mean penal colony? No, no. Oh, okay. We wouldn't want to offend anyone. That's what I call my chastity cage. <laughs> the Bunyip is a creature from the Aboriginal mythology of southeastern Australia, said mm. to lurk in swamps, creeks, riverbeds, waterholes, and of course, billabongs. Mm, yeah, they love a, a billabong, I would imagine. Who wouldn't? What's a billabong? I believe it's uh, like a specific type of marsh, maybe kind of like the Australian version of a mangrove. 
What's cooler, Jinko or Billabong? Oh, in terms of uh, jeans? Yes. I mean, Jinko's the name that's lasted. They defined the generation. I'm with you. Uh, the origin of the word bunyip has been traced to the Wemba Wemba, or Wurgaya language of the Aborigines of Victoria. The word bunyip is usually translated by Aboriginal Australians as devil or evil spirit. Mm. This contemporary translation may not accurately represent the bunyip um, or its origins uh, before written accounts were made. Some modern sources allude to a linguistic connection between the Bunyip and the Bunjil, mm. a mythic great man who made the mountains, rivers, man, and all the animals. Boy, that sounds great. That's a, lo a lot of those are my favorite things. Yeah, so the Bunyip might be God also. Could be. Could be. Or um, at least have a, uh etymological similarity between Bunjil Right, but it also could be God, and, period. It also could just be straight up God. God could be a... 12-foot-long seal with the face of a British bulldog. Oh, that should have been. I should have called this episode God. Yeah, next set. Finally, you could have gotten your God episode in. I know. Um, well, uh, Shibble, follow this closely. The word Bonyip first appeared in the Sydney Gazette in 1812. It was used by James Ivy when he described... I was describing a large black animal, like a seal... Uh, with terrible voice, which creates terror among the blacks. <laughs> Mo most of the terror that white people describe uh, the Bunyip creating is mm -hmm. like in comparison to how it makes uh, Aborigines feel. Yeah, it appears. Yeah, and that I, I glanced a little bit at these quotes that you sent over to me just to make sure I could, you know, get as close to an Australian accent as I was going to. And uh, they do uh, refer to Aboriginal people as uh, the blacks quite a bit. Yeah, it's it's a little unnerving. Um, yeah, but I'll also say there's a, a neighborhood, I think, in... Uh, oh, no, it's a, an entire city in Australia that's like a suburb of Sydney that's just called Blacktown. <laughs> and uh, Blacktown is, was an Aboriginal neighborhood. It's kind of like... Chinatown, except it's Blacktown. And are you sure it's not just called Blackton and uh, you're being racist? No, I've heard them say it. Uh, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it is. And, and I've checked that that is the origin of Blacktown. So it's just historically, Australians use the term black differently than we do. I mean, yeah. I would still, I would call people, I would say that guy is black. I wouldn't say that guy is a black. Right, right. Or and, a gay. Yeah, and I feel like they don't do that in Australia anymore. This is just, you know, an unpleasant uh, vestige of the past. I mean, this is 1812, so, you know, let's not judge Australia's uh, current progressive nature by this. No, I think uh, Australia's current progressive nature can certainly stand on its own two feet. Yeah, <laughs> compared they, to ours. Well, they, they've got their problems down there, too. They're not, well, not with guns. No, they certainly did something about guns, and hats off to them about that. Well, the bunyip is amphibious, mm. almost entirely aquatic, lives in lakes, rivers, swamps, lagoons. Now, when you and say it's amphibious, are you saying it lives on land and water, or are you saying it's not a rep it's not a mammal, it's an amphibian? It's an amphibian. So it's like a frog that looks like a seal. Right. That's fucked up. This yeah, no, that's that's that's, this that's is like an a amphibian great detail. with hair. 
Yeah. Something about that makes me want to barf. And that seems like the kind of thing they would have in Australia. Yeah. That and every poisonous anything. It's true. Lots of... Although, uh, we have much uh, bigger... We have bears. They don't have bears. So, I'll give them that. Yeah, yeah, but, like, you can't step on a bear by mistake and get killed like you can with every spider and snake they have. No, it's true. The bear can step on me by mistake, though. Yeah, but I can see it coming. Knockwood, yeah. The real trick is to stay indoors. That's yeah, that's that's the truth. But if you stay indoors in Australia, you're gonna meet like a, a brown recluse or something. Oh, we got no, though we got those in Kansas. I found one of those in my house the other week. Stop it. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh, you need to take a look at this so that you can identify them because you didn't grow up with these. Because for a long time, I'd be looking around the house and be like, is that a spider that I need to be scared of? I hear there are spiders out here I need to be scared of. Is that one of them? And she'd be like, no, that's just a house spider. That's just a normal one. But and finally, you met one. Eventually, we found uh, a brown recluse, and they were like, come take a look. And so I uh, I killed it. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Bugs in my house, you know, I feel justified when they're in my house. You know, well, it's, 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 it's attempted murder, really. Just, just, just being near you, it's attempted murder. It's true. And I also once saw a black widow out here, which I never saw anywhere else. That's scary. I saw one of those in California. Yeah. Anyway, back to the bunyip. Physical descriptions of bunyips vary widely, Shibble, as okay. you can see. Uh, some of them are jo- frogs. <laughs> George, some of them are God. Yeah. George French Angus collected a description of a bunyip as a water spirit from the Murundi people of the Murray River in 1847, stating, It is much dreaded by them. Uh, it inhabits the Murray, but they have some difficulty in describing it. Its most usual form is said to be that of uh, an enormous starfish. Yeah, that guy was wrong. Okay, yeah, sounds like they were just lying to him. Yeah, the yeah, they were like, the they were like, this white dude is a dummy. Yeah, what if we told him the bunyip was a starfish? What a fucking freak he would look like. Everybody knows it's a 12-foot-long seal god. Maybe he'll stop calling us the blacks. Probably not. No, he was at least kind enough to call them the inhabitants of the Murray. There you go. Reasonable. Yeah, I guess. Um, The Chalicum Bunyip, an outline image of a bunyip carved by Aboriginal people into the bank of Fiery Creek near Ararat, Victoria, was first recorded by the Australasian newspaper in 1851. According to the report, the bunyip had been speared after killing an Aboriginal man. How Mm. brave. Uh, Robert Smith's Aborigines of Victoria devoted 10 pages to the bunyip, but concluded. In truth, little is known among the blacks uh, respecting its form, covering, or habits. They appear to have been in such dread of it as to be uh, have been unable to take note of its characteristics. And I'm just taking a quick look at this... Uh, uh, Chalicum Bunyip. Just did a quick Google image search, and what do you it think? is adorable. Have, have, did you take a look at this? Yeah, no, I saw it. It is cute. Boy, that thing's great, and just real great design. Listeners at home, imagine if you will a uh, banana with legs, <laughs> a banana with just two little legs, and that's the Chalicum Bunyip, and it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a great way to represent a seal dog. That's yeah. 14 feet long. Yeah, I mean, I get the idea of its proportions based on it. It's very evocative and it's very aesthetically pleasing, in my opinion. 
Uh, <laughs> Eugenie Louise McNeil recalled from a childhood memory in the 1890s that the bunyip had a snout like an owl mm. and was probably nocturnal. So a beak. Yeah, I don't believe her. Yeah, I'm going to say when you think an owl has a snout, I'm not going to trust your descriptions of animals. Exactly. It sounds like you almost a have a snout like an owl. That's like <laughs> like yeah. a beak like a pig. Yeah, it's got wings like my cat. <laughs> Fuck are you on about Eugenia? <laughs> Sorry, that was funny. Uh, the bunyips presumably seen by witnesses, according to their descriptions, most commonly fit one of two categories, as we discussed before. Mm. Uh, this is very specific. Sixty uh, percent of sightings mm-hmm. resemble seals and swimming dogs. Okay. And twenty percent of sightings are of long-necked creatures with small heads. Mm-hmm. And the remaining descriptions, the which would be twenty percent, are ambiguous beyond categorization. Real chimeras. Okay. Uh, or just just real vague. You know, it's just oh, I, it was just a shape. Well, like it's like an H.P. Lovecraft writing. They couldn't take note of their characteristics. Yeah, understandable. I mean, obviously, and it's interesting that the uh, seal that they're describing, separate from long neck creature with small head, uh, you know, because I, I consider seals to have small heads. I like it as a combination. I like it as the long necked seal with the dog head. And you know how seals can sort of go like bloop and tuck their heads into their yeah. body a little bit. So maybe he can just do that a lot. Maybe his neck goes like... Well, that would be so cute. Bloop. That's what it is. It's both. Yeah, it just surprises you with how uh, flexible it is in terms of neck length. Now, bunyips, according to Aboriginal mythology, can swim swiftly with fins or flippers, mm. have a loud roaring call, as in the story, Okay. and feed on crayfish. But, mm. but... But... Some legends portray them as bloodthirsty predators of humans. Yeah. Particularly women and children. Fair enough. And most importantly, as I snuck into the story, bunyip eggs are laid in platypus nests. Boy, you really snuck that in there. That was nice and subtle. I, I didn't want it to be subtle. <laughs> it I just came to be, up or- so organically. It, I wanted really it to be as like, far oh, from organic as possible. Learning. I, I wanted it to be crowbarred in so obviously. Well, mission accomplished then. <laughs> Thank you, Shibbel. Um Now, also as in the story, Hang the on. bunyip can appear as a water spirit called the mulliawonk. And the mulliawonk murders anyone who takes more than their fare of shift, uh, shit fish from the waterways. You can only take what you can eat, you know, no more. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And also, it takes children away forever if they get too close to the water. Yeah, by drowning them. Right, like uh, La Llorona. It's a, it's a classic scare your kids away from uh, the water. Yeah, yeah. And also, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to call... Do we know what the Mulliawonk looks like? Yeah, it looks like it looks like the Bunyip, but in like... Uh, you know when Pokemon become their ultra form? I've never heard someone refer to them as Pokemon. Oh, I, I, isn't that the plural? I don't. I don't know. I always refer to them as Pokemon, as uh, as the plural and singular, like fish. Oh, that's interesting. I like I like Pokemon. That's how I refer to them. Fair enough. So you're saying you know? So you're saying that the Mulliwonk is like a hyper evolved Bunyip? Yes. Okay. So it just looks like that, but now it has like more spiritual powers. 
Yeah, like in the story when he floated up in the air in the storm of like of light, and he clapped his hands, that, and everyone. Yeah. That's was that's when they're like Bunyip is evolving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bunyip became Mullywonk. Learned <laughs> water gun. <laughs> what else would he learn? Uh, learned uh, shout. <laughs> learned backslap. <laughs> Uh, Shibs, you want some facts? Really quick, I want to... Yeah, okay, go to the facts, but then I want to double back and talk about these eggs for a second. Oh, okay. As an audience surrogate, I want to mention these eggs. <clears throat> now, uh, we're going to do Aussie facts, and we're going to do, before you announce, uh, we're going to do a, uh, more of them, but very short ones. Okay. So give me an Aussie fact, Shibby. Aussie facts. Australia is even bigger than you think it is. It's almost the same size as mainland USA. Hey, that's pretty big. Australia is home to 21 of the world's 25 most venomous snakes. Obviously, you've got Bitey Jack. Then you've got <laughs> uh, Three Fang Larry. His third fang is the one you don't want to deal with. Uh, I could rattle off the, the next 22, but... I didn't realize it was the 25 individual most venomous snakes <laughs> yeah, in the, the rankings. The, yeah, they're like the FBI's most wanted. They're Australia's version of that. Oh, Bitey We're on the Jack. lookout for Bitey Jack, <laughs> uh, number two. You can find their pictures at any Australian post office. <laughs> Are they not allowed in? <laughs> no, no, they're just trying to raise public awareness. You know, Oh, okay, but would they be allowed to mail something? <laughs> oh, well... Obviously, well, I don't know Australia's, uh, you know, post office internal ethics. If they walked into an American post office, 100%, but we would also have to do our duty as sworn uh, defenders of the Constitution to uh, probably report them to law enforcement. I understood. Uh, Number three, Australia has the world's longest golf course, measuring more than 850 miles long. Wow. Can you imagine uh, even playing the back nine? Can you imagine wasting that much land? Well, here's the thing about Australia. The one thing they got is land. Is land. Yeah. And yeah, uh, they, they're not doing nothing with it because you can't do nothing with the most. Australia is ranked second on the Human Development Index, which takes into account a long and healthy life, knowledge, and a decent standard of living. Nice. And last but not least, former Prime Minister Bob Hawke set a world record for sculling 2.5 pints of beer in 11 seconds. Hawke later suggested this was the reason for his great political success. Hell yeah, Australia loves the hawk. Bob Hawke, beer drinker. Vote Hawke. (laughs) (laughs) So back to these eggs. The pla- that are laid in platypus ne- nests. They're laid in the platypus nests, and that's that's true. What happened? That probably would explain why platypus have eggs, right? Because it, you would think platypuses being a mammal, they wouldn't lay eggs. Right. The that, that makes no sense being to me. An amphibian would lay eggs. So that explains. Here's my next theory. Then is the bunyip the evolved platypus Pokemon? Because if you look at platypus, that's a Pokemon. So platypus becomes um, Bunyip, Bunyip, and Bunyip becomes Mulliawonk. Yes. I love that theory, and I'm going with it. 
We're cracking the puzzle here this week, ladies and gents. You're welcome, you think, Australia. I can't believe you never put this together. Do you think there are people out there who take this super seriously who are, like, banging their heads on the table right now going, No! No, it's not an evolved Pokemon. <laughs> do you think those are going to be Pokemon people or do you think those are going to be cryptid people? <laughs> cryptid people. Yeah, probably. Pokemon uh, people are just happy for a mention. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody loves Pokemon. The... 3,048 monsters that you can collect them all. Um, let's get to early accounts of European settlers. You want to? Yes. A large number of Bunyip sightings occurred during the 1840s and 50s, mm. particularly in the southeastern colonies of Victoria, New South Wales, uh, shout out to Chris Lilly, mm. and South Australia as European settlers extended their reach. The following is not an exhaustive list of accounts. All right. There was the Hume find of 1818. We Hume. all know that one. Or yes. Do, do I we even all need to remember tell you? that I was doing this? <clears throat> one of the earliest accounts relating to a large unknown freshwater animal was in 1818 when Hamilton Hume found some large bones at Lake mm. Bathurst in New South Wales. They didn't call the animal a bunyip, but described the remains indicating the creature as very much like a hippopotamus or manatee. I can see that. The Philosophical Society of... All, yeah, I would... I mean, I can see how an idiot might think a bunyip was a hippopotamus when it was really a bunyip. Yeah, first of all, a hippopotamus is a mammal. You got fooled by the hair. Also, hippopotamuses yeah. don't have hair. Stupid idiots. Moron. Philosoph the Philosophical Society of Australasia later offered to reimburse Hume for any costs incurred. Uh, but for various reasons, Hume did not return to the lake because he's mm. a liar. Ancient Diprotodon skeletons have sometimes been compared to the hippopotamus. They are a land animal, but have sometimes been found in a lake. Or what is it, a bunyip? Yeah, since Hume didn't turn over the bones, we'll never know. Good job, thanks, Hume. Thanks, Hume, for being terrible. A hippopotamus. Uh, there was the Wellington Caves fossils in 1830. More significant was the discovery of fossilized bones of, quote-unquote, some quadruped much larger than the ox or buffalo in the Wellington Caves in 1830 by Bushman George Rankin, who sounds like a reggae singer. Uh, I think he would more if Bushman was with like a capital B. No, 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 like no, no. They no. George Rankin. Bushman George Rankin. No, no, just the name Rankin. Like, there's a lot of dudes named Rankin who are reggae singers. Okay, I'm not familiar with their work. Are they a family? Uh, well, there's there's a bunch of dudes named Rankin. Then there's Shaba Ranks, and then there's there's a lot of dancehall dudes with that with that surname. That's a genre of music I know so little about. You don't like Elephant Man? Uh, I'm, I I just don't. I'm not very familiar with it. Shibble, let me tell you real quick. The closest wears... I ever got, I'm embarrassed to say, first wave ska. Oh, first he wave wears ska streamers all over his body, and he calls himself the energy god, and he just screams over like dance hall beats. It is wonderful music. I love it. It sounds good. I'll check it out. The okay. Elephant Man. Not to be yeah. confused with the Elephant Man. Yeah, the difference is one of them uh, had to hide his face because he, he was uh, a hideous, uh, deformed man, and the other one is a reggae singer. Yeah, very different, very different. Um, now, 
uh, Bushman George Rankin, and later by Thomas Mitchell. Uh, Sydney's Reverend John Dunmore Lang announced this find, the Wellington Caves find, as convincing proof of the deluge, re- uh, referring to biblical accounts of the flood. But British anatomist Sir Richard Owen identified the fossils as the gigantic marsupials Nototherium and Diprotodon. At the same time, he observed... Well, yes, I observed that all natives throughout these districts have a tradition of a very large animal, having at one time existed in the large creeks and rivers, and by many it is said that such animals now exist. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, he's saying... That other people, uh, that when he goes talks to uh, <coughs> aboriginals around there, they'll be like, "Oh no, no, no! That's uh, that's an animal that that that's still alive. We still got those." Yeah, no, but it's not like it's not like, "Oh, I remember the bunyip." It's like, no, no, no. We have we have a huge bunyip population. And this sort of also reminds me of uh, the old Yukon beaver eater. I'm How so? A lot of, uh, that was another one that was thought to perhaps be either confused with a fossil or possibly was a living fossil. Oh, there is a, a possibility point. that uh, the bunyip is maybe some kind of a living fossil. Like Cossi Rex? Yes, like a Cossi Rex. It would be weird if it was an amphibian. That part still makes very little sense to me. But Yeah, I like that, <laughs> that he's a hairy amphibian. He's a hairy amphibian that's 12 feet long. The largest <laughs> amphibian in the world. <laughs> By a and factor of like a, 10. And he's a seal dog. Yeah, and and people often confuse him for a seal or a dog. <laughs> Because that's what he looks like. But trust us, somehow we know he's an amphibian. Yeah, he is. There's just something amphibian about him. I can't put my finger on it. All I know is I look at it. If you saw him, you would say amphibian. It just makes sense that he'd be an amphibian with hair. I mean, you guys hear that and know it makes sense. So just go with it. Yeah, it's just a giant hairy amphibian that looks like a seal. And we all understand. And we all know how we know that. And it all makes sense. Now the first right, ri- QAnon? <laughs> the storm is coming, Bunyip. <laughs> first written use of the word Bunyip was 1845. Mm. In July 1845, the Geelong Advertiser announced the discovery of fossils found near Geelong under the headline, Wonderful Discovery of a New Animal. The newspaper continued... On the bone being shown to an intelligent black, he at once recognized it as belonging to the bunyip, which he declared he had seen. On being requested to make a drawing of it, he did so without hesitation. Certainly, though, the tale of the female black being slain by a bunyip remains the most direct evidence at all. And remember the story, that of a man named Mumbauran, who showed several deep wounds on his breast made by the claws of the animal. Now that's a that's a pretty uh, intense account, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're seeing giant claw marks across a dude's chest and he's telling you this came from a bunyip, I'd be inclined to believe him. That, you know, something did that to him. Yeah, Mambo Ron. Yeah, he, what, why, would, uh, why would Mambo Ron lie about that? I picture a guy with like a gold chain and like he's about 50, but he still goes to like young people clubs and they call him Mambo Ron. Now, oh, yeah, th- th- that sounds great. Yeah. 
There he is, Mamba Run. Yeah, Drinks he always, for like, Mamba he always Run. buys around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Maybe that's he sweet. hits on the girls a little hard, but he'll tell. He gets the hint. Of, you know, he'll back. Yeah, yeah. Up. No, he's not. He's not. He means well. Yeah, he's Mamba Run. He's just there trying to have a fun time. But at home, it's probably really sad. No, I'm not at home. You know what? He goes home, and his family loves him. He's got a great <laughs> brother. <laughs> you know, he's still <laughs> single, no kids. But hey. He's, He's probably got a hot female roommate who who doesn't notice him. Oh god, oh, poor Mamba poor Ron. Ron. God, uh, the account um, of Mamba Ron and um, of course uh, the other woman, uh, the female Aboriginal uh, woman who was slain by the Bunyip. Uh, those accounts provided this detailed description of the creature. The Bunyip is represented as uniting the characteristics of a bird. And of an alligator. <laughs> it has a head resembling an emu, with a long bill, at the extremity of which is a transverse projection on each side, with serrated edges, like the bone of a stingray. Its body and legs partake of the nature of the alligator. <laughs> the hind legs are remarkably thick and strong, and the forelegs are much longer, but still of great strength. The extremities are furnished with long claws, and the blacks say its unusual method of killing its prey is by hugging it to death. <laughs> when in the water, it swims like a frog. Hmm. Yeah. And when on shore, it walks on its hind legs with its head erect, in which position it measures 12 or 13 feet in height. Now that's something. That uh, that is an amazing sounding creature. Where did the bird head come from? Now uh, it's got a bird head, an emu head. It, well, you know what? That could be that could be the uh, the final form. That could be the Mulyawonk. Oh, that's true. Y- you know what? Because it goes back to platypus. It's another bird head. I have a question. What if it's a shape shapeshifter? I mean, it certainly that would explain how starfish got in the mix. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we I gotta that put that one on the lying. board. That's an option. Yeah, it could be. You never know. Maybe, maybe the Mulliawonk and it's is its sort of natural form, and it like werewolves out into Bunyip mode, and Platypus is the baby. I love that. I love the. I love the um, the evolution theory. Yeah, I I feel like all these things are connected. I think I think we I've got have a, a big very board strong... with red string behind me, listeners. You can't see it, but I've got it. I can see it. He does have it. It's it's I mean, he's doing it as the show goes. I wish he would pay more attention, but I mean he's on to something. You can't get him off it. He's a dog with a bone. I feel like Lieutenant Detective Columbo right now. He and he looks like Luther. Just one more thing. Back to the bunyip. Or do you want to take a fact break? Um, let's go through a little bit more of the bunyip. Okay, great. I love it. Um, we've got a purported bunyip skull. Mm. Can you imagine? In mm. 1846, a peculiar skull was taken by a settler from the banks of the Murrumbidgee River in New South Wales. Mm, New South Wales. Initial reports suggested that it was a skull of something unknown to science. The squatter who found it remarked, All the natives to whom it was shown called it a bunyip. Oh my gosh. So the bunyip skull was put on display in the Australian Museum for two days. Not a big uh, 
They must have had other stuff going on. Well, you know, they got to get it over to the university. Yeah, of course, to study, right? Uh, visitors flocked to see it, and the Sydney Morning Herald reported that many people spoke out about their bunyip sightings. All right, In March I, of huh? I'm uh, I googled bunyip skull to see if I could find. Oh, don't you might you might learn something. Uh, what I'm seeing is incredibly fucked up, listeners. I oh, recommend good. googling it and seeing this fucked up looking skull. Everyone, Google bunyip skull now. Yes. Is there more to this skull? I'm excited. Um, in March of that year, a bunyip was sighted sunning himself on the placid bosom of the Yarra in Melbourne. Immediately, a crowd gathered and three men set off by boat to secure the stranger, which disappeared when they're about a yard from him. Mm. And we will get back to the skull. All right. Um, and we have one more. Um, we have two more accounts here. Okay, great. Uh, William Buckley's account of Bunyips from 1852. Another early written account is attributed to escaped convict. Mm. Aren't <laughs> they all? Neiman. <laughs> William Buckley. In Not to be eight... confused with William F. Buckley. Right. This is a different Buckley. Yeah. It, and it's not Barkley. That would be the dog from Sesame Street. And it's not Charles Barkley, Sir Dunk himself. <laughs> Sir Dunk? <laughs> That's the what they called him. Sir Dunk. Do you know what they really called him? They called him Sir Dunk. The round mound of rebound. Oh, okay. I mean, he was a big dude. He was, he was only 6'6", but he rebounded his ass off because he was just so strong. And, yeah, and He was just built like a tank. He really was. He was a very powerful guy. Um, so William Buckley, the escaped convict, uh, in Do his Do you think 18... Prime Shaq could take down Prime Barkley? Yes. Okay. In fact, there was a fight where Shaq threw a punch that almost took Barkley's head off, but he ducked it, and then they were separated. Well, I mean, that shows Charles has, you know, he can read Shaq's timing, ducking it. He was no turned the point. other way. He almost got killed. Yeah, but I mean, now if he could do that, what can he do now that he's turned around and squaring off against him? I, Shaq would have killed him. All right, I'm gonna call. I'm to me the fact that he was able to dodge that shows that he's got some proficiency. I'm gonna put it on Barkley. Uh, there's no way Prime. Okay, <laughs> well, uh, escape convict William Buckley. Uh, after you tell me third... it's all about reach now. I can tell. <laughs> no, it's not about reach. It's about it's Shaq versus <laughs> Barkley. It's about size, strength, quickness. Quick, uh, I mean, his fast twitch muscle fiber, like he, his burst is, his burst is so crazy. Like what a super athlete he is, how he gets off the line and, and how he moves for such a big man. But does he have that dog in him? Yeah, oh my God, he's so tough. Are you kidding me? Does he Barkley tough? He's more than Barkley tough. He's Shaquille O'Neal. The Kung Fu Diesel. Yes, you know that. Anyway, now, where were we? Back to the bunyip. Uh, yeah, William Buckley, the convict, spent 30 years living with the Watherong people. His 1852 account records, In Lake Mudawari is a very extraordinary amphibious animal. Hmm, amphibian. Uh, which the natives call bunyip. I saw the creature on several occasions, but never any part. Except the back, which appeared to be covered with feathers of a dusky grey. 
It seemed to be about the size of a full-grown calf. I would never learn from any of the natives if I had seen either the head or the tail. <laughs> he has no idea if he was looking at its face or ass, and he thinks it had feathers. Yeah. So, I mean, to be fair, he was also an escaped convict. Living. Oh, shibble. You can't mark a man for his mistakes that he's paid his debt to society. Unless he what was a rapist. What did he do? Also, he didn't pay his debt to society. He escaped. Oh. <laughs> Wait, why didn't someone arrest him at some point when he was publishing this? Yeah, yeah. Presumably somebody would be like, oh, hey. But I guess in Australia, they sort of let bygones be bygones. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, depending on what he did, that's probably the best thing. Yeah. Um, Buckley claimed the creature was common in the river and cites an example he heard of an Aboriginal woman being killed by one, which we heard earlier. Mm. He emphasizes the bunyip is believed to have supernatural powers. Okay. That could be the Mollywonk. Yeah. Um, and that leads us to facts. Okay. All right. Time for a fact break, everybody. Hit me with some Aussie facts. It would take around 29 years to visit one new Aussie beach every day because there are 10,685 of them. Beautiful. You got the Gold Coast. You the got Great the Barri Sun Coast. <laughs> the Great Barrier Reef is the planet's largest living structure. It even has its own post office box. Oh, good. Hey, uh, maybe I'll send the Great Barrier Reef with a postcard saying, get well soon. It's like the Wailing Wall. fucked up. Is it, what, what other structures have their own letters other than the Wailing Wall and the Great Barrier Reef? I think that's the only structures you write letters to. Santa's Workshop? Or is that a business? No, you write them to Santa. Yeah, it's true. I get I get a lot of letters to Santa. It's great to see. Oh, my God. Do you ever answer them? No, we send them to uh, what they call Operation Santa Claus. It's actually pretty cool. Uh, all the letters get scanned, and if the kids include a return address... You can sort of anonymously donate things on their wish list to the kid. I would love to do that. Yeah, look into Operation Santa. Everybody, look into Operation Santa. Um, this Aussie episode will be coming out in late January. We'll look into it for next year. Aussies drink <laughs> 1.7 billion liters of beer per year. That's about 680 bottles of beer for each adult yearly. Wow, that seems like a lot. It is a lot. Australia's capital city, Canberra, meant women's cleavage in Aborigine and was named that because the city is cradled between two mountains. Beautiful. That's, I think that's a great fact. Uh, and in Canberra, it's legal to film hardcore porn and selling the end product has been made legal in that city. All right, good for them. Yeah, it's very progressive. Living free down there in Canberra. Can bear, bear it all. Can bear it all. <laughs> Can bear and twink. <laughs> That's a different kind of porn. It's true. So, back <laughs> to the bunyip. Yes, back to the bunyip. Um, last but not least, mm. we have Stokler's sighting and drawing. Okay, our final sighting. Oh, and let me... Uh, you know what? Let's me, skip this. Can I it's just, it's the drawing at least? Huh? Stokely. I, I was going to skip this because it just has the longest monologue for you, and it's no reason. We've already done enough sightings. All right. Listeners at home, if you want 
to hear that sighting. I don't know. Google Stokler. I'm going to check out his drawing really quick if I can. You guys are never going to guess how to spell it either. It's S-T-O-C-Q-U-E-L-E-R. Stokler. Stokler. All right, fine. (laughs) Amongst the latter drawings, we notice the likeness of the bunyip, or rather a view of the neck and shoulders of the animal. Stokler informs us that the bunyip is a large freshwater seal, having two small fins attached to the shoulders. A long swan-like neck, a head like a dog, and a curious bag hanging over the jaw resembling the pouch of the pelican. Gross. The animal is covered with hair like the platypus, and the color is a glassy black. Mr. Stokler saw no less than six of these curious animals at different times. His boat was within 30 feet of one on the Goldburn, and he fired at the bunyip, but did not succeed in killing or capturing him. Ah! The smallest appeared to be about five feet in length, and the largest exceeded 15 feet. After taking a sketch, Mr. Stokler showed it to several blacks of the Goldburn tribe, who declared that the picture was Bunyip's brother. The animals moved against the current at the rate of about seven miles an hour, and Stokler states that he could have approached close, but he had been deterred by the stories of the natives concerning the power and fury of the Bunyip, and by the fact that his gun had only a single barrel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was afraid of the bunyip, so he did not. We would have learned a lot more, but. No. Instead, he just uh, ran away and blamed his gun. It's a poor craftsman that blames his tool. Stokler and bunyip's brother. He only had a single barrel, Shibble. He, he was afraid. He was afraid of the bunyip's brother. <laughs> It was just another wrinkle in our evolution theory. Well, I, I think the Aborigines were just annoyed with him, so they were like, "Oh, who's that? What do you think? It's the Bunyip's brother." And he was like, oh, "It's the Bunyip's brother," you know. And, yeah. and and they were like, "It's obviously the Bunyip." Yeah. Well, I think uh, I could not find his drawing. I don't think. Uh, it's really good. I bet it's great. I'm. It is. It's perfect. He sounds amazing. He sounds like a wonderful man. He uh, is. So, I think with that, uh, you know, this whole situation to me, it's just been sounding pretty crazy. Yeah. You know, in terms of I haven't been able to find this drawing. We've been having some weird connection issues. We've discovered that the Bunyip is some form of Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, You know, and the Bunyip it just sounds crazy. But can it love? Werewolf ate my dad, but it's not so bad. It might sound crazy, but can it love? Can it give me a kiss? Can it hold my hand? Would it say I love you? Does it understand? Does it know that I've never felt this way before? There's a full moon tonight. So romantic. This might sound crazy, but can it love? Can it love? Uh, 
I, Shibble, I don't know, man. I, okay. I, I, I don't. I, I. This is a hard one for me. I mean, I don't know if there's one. I there's a report that there's many. I don't get a real sense of if it. I mean, some stories are it kills people. Some are that it it doesn't. You know. I mean, I don't get a real sense of its behavior or purpose or goal. Also, deities are known to have sex sometimes, like Zeus, but other times they're asexual. I get a lot of mixed messages. What do you think? I'm going to say something about it. The same way you know how it's an amphibian. Yeah. You know how it just sort of is. It just is. It's just an amphibian is what it is. <laughs> and I think I think it can just love. I think it has the capacity for love. I just think it can. I think that's sweet. I think it's better to assume that it can instead of can't. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know what? It's worth a shot. What's your dream date? My dream date is monitoring fishermen okay. at the old fishing hole and punishing them for taking more than they need. And in the meantime, we're going to have five guys. Okay. I was going to say uh, ice cream parlor. Oh, that's a classic. That's just a fun one. That always works. And what you've all, you, you've got, yeah, you've got a topic of discussion right off the bat. Well, what flavor do you, would you have? Rum raisin. Really? I would say when I was a boy, I I loved to get me a nice scoop of rum raisin and uh, laugh about what an odd child I was. And I think that would be a way to reveal something about myself. That's bizarre. Rum raisin. Yes, just just a scoop of rum raisin for me, a good boy. <laughs> My daughter used to get mint ice cream with gummies in it. Ooh, that sounds off-putting. Yeah, that's worse than rum raisin. Yes. Now, we've determined that it can love because it just can. Yeah, it but just Shibble, can. That, that, that doesn't answer all, all the questions because that still leaves uh, up to question, can it? Can it fuck? That sounds crazy, but can it fuck? <laughs> what do you think? I think, I mean, we know it lays eggs. So oh. to me, that implies sexual reproduction. Unless it asexually reproduces like a plant. Uh, plants don't really lay eggs. I mean, I guess they could lay s- seeds Spores that look like seeds. eggs. But, uh, but I mean, I know that it's not a plant. I know it's an amphibian. Because I just look at it and I know that it's an amphibian. Yes, with hair. It's an amphibian with hair and it looks like a seal with the face of a bulldog. <laughs> with tusks. It's the only amphibian with tusks. It's also a starfish and god. And it's also uh, has magical yelling powers, <laughs> but it's an amphibian. Right. And so amphibians fuck all the time. They love it. Okay. Then I, I go with you. I say it can uh, have the sex. All right. That answers that question. But on to the next. It's fight night. Ding, ding, ding. Fight. Fight number one. We have the Bunyip versus Prime Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, man. Oh, Shaq. Are you telling me this honey mother is 12 feet long? It is, and it looks like a seal dog. But it is an amphibian. With hair. 
with hair, yes, and tusks. Was that you And or it has some spiritual powers. <laughs> maybe if it evolves. Uh yeah. Uh I'm gonna say two shacks. Me and one more shack. I disagree. How many shacks do you think? I think that only one shack would be enough to take it because if I catch it before it evolves, I can beat it into submission. You're going to beat a platypus to death? Watch me do it. I, I, I'll do it without blinking. Okay, but what if it was evolved? I, I try to beat that to death, too. <laughs> Good luck. You're going to wish you had a second shack, my friend. Yeah, I think, I think it matters if it's evolved. If it's evolved, for each evolution, another shack. That's fair. That's fair. All right, number two. Uh, the Bunyip versus your pick of three kids from Goonies. Okay. Well, obviously, I am going to want uh, Data. Uh, Good one. I'm, I'm going to need his skill set. I'm going to need his tools. Yep. I am going to want... I'm going to want Mikey there. Yep. Uh, you know, he's got a cool head under pressure. And I'm going to want... The gal with glasses that made out with mouth. Yep. That's a good call. Yeah. And they got it. I agree with you. I, I think those three, that particular team would have an excellent shot. And it's, you know, it's wild to me that with all the reboots and remakes of things that they, that they dump done the, I would love like an eight episode Goonies miniseries. Amazing that done well idea. would be great. How about the movie and then the miniseries? Maybe, or or a miniseries, and if it does well, a movie. All right, I'm with that. All right, we have the Bunyip with the Ghoulies from Ghoulies on its side against the Critters from Critters. Mm. The Ghoulies, I'm going to say, as I recall, not real powerhouses, mainly relied on the element of surprise. Yes. The critters, they had, they had, they were almost like mammalian piranha. They were vicious. They were like nanobot piranhas. Yeah, they were. They could get get you pretty tough. And then, well, yeah, no, I'm I'm gonna put this one on the critters. I I'm with you a hundred percent. Number four, the bunyip. Versus one crip, fooled, fueled by fun dip, letting his gun rip, but only has one clip on some fun shit. I love it. Um, I'm going to say one clip. But, uh, what, 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 what is he packing? Uh, a six hour. Okay, it's got some stopping power. Yeah, nine millimeter. Um, yeah, I can put that one on the crip. Okay, he does have fun dip. Yeah, and and he's on that fun shit. <laughs> we have the bunyip versus the one predator with the worst hunting skills, like the most disappointing young predator in predator school. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I think he's going to want to try to prove himself when he's out on the hunt. He's <laughs> going to get over ambitious. He's going to instantly try and get in close. 
and be like, no weapons! Yeah! <laughs> and uh, then the he, the bunyip's just going to get him with those tusks. Gonna, oh. Like, gore him in the shoulders as they tussle. As How he tries embarrassing. To, like, wrestle. That's so yeah. sad for the young worst predator. I was hoping he would get his first win. No, sorry, not you. There's there's a reason. It's tough. There's a reason why it's a test. All right, we've got the Bunyip versus the kids from South Park if they were flesh and blood. Okay. Hmm. I'm trying to remember how. Well, obviously Kenny's not going to make it. Well, of course that that's a given. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they're going to win, but it's going to end up making Cartman look good. And so <laughs> uh, Stan and Kyle are going to be like, this wasn't worth it. It's going to be one of those. Oh, okay. So a, 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 a Pyrrhic victory. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last but not least, uh, a battle on OnlyFans. If Miley Cyrus signed up for OnlyFans and, and mm. for fully clothed, you know, content. Okay. And an actual bunyip signed up, a cryptid, and people mm. knew, oh my god, a fucking real cryptid, uh, like a, a, a creature not of this world, and Miley Cyrus, they both signed up the same day. Who has more subscribers in a month? In a month? I'm going to say Miley's going to have stronger staying power. I think <laughs> uh, the bunyip is going to get a broader media exposure through this and will then most of the content that Bunyip people would be curious about will no longer be behind a paywall. Oh, that's an excellent breakdown, actually. Thank you. Fight night. Fight mm -hmm. night. <laughs> Boy. Boy, do you have any Aussie facts for me? I do, Shibble. The world's Aussie fan. Oh, I'm sorry. Give it to me again. I talked right over you. Aussie fan. The world's largest rock is not actually <laughs> Uluru. What? what? What happened over there? No, I was just imagining like a really big rock. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it's not that exciting. Uh, the world's largest rock is not actually Uluru, okay. but Mount Augustus in Western Australia. It's twice the size of a Luru. Okay. And you it's don't... just a really big rock. Yep. Biggest rock. <laughs> Boy, that's one hell of a rock. It's a big one. They don't make them like that anymore. It's the biggest one. That is one hell of a rock. There are one million camels that roam wild Australian deserts. The largest number of purebred camels. How are they purebred if they're wild? Uh, because they were probably feral. They were okay. probably a pure breed that was released. Australia exports these camels to the Middle East. Cool. Uh, the wombat deposits square poo. Oh, I've seen those. Have you? Yeah, they like stack them up. <laughs> is it like guano, or is it like like little like di little like like little uh, drink holders? It's like little um, like imagine if you picked up like a dog turd in like a plastic bag and then like squeeze it into a square. <laughs> like Play-Doh, that's awesome. Uh, Melbourne was briefly called Batmania. Mm. You can still visit Batman Park in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Is that after the uh, Hungarian city of Batman? I don't know. Okay. Or is it after Bruce Wayne? It's I'm I'm gonna go with Bruce Wayne just for the fun of it. Yeah, it could um, be. A baby kangaroo. I love this one. A baby kangaroo. Last but not least, a baby kangaroo when born is only two centimeters long. Oh my goodness! How adorable! Yeah, and then they have to crawl up into the pouch. Oh, little joeys! Yeah, and they live in the pouch until they're big enough to have like a second birth. It's ew. <sighs> yeah, it's. it's uh... I don't want a second birth. No. No, but I guess it's a. It makes it safer for the mom. It makes it more, makes childbirth easier. Yeah, that's good. We should take all precautions to make childbirth safe, like we do in our country. Yeah, what we should do, yeah, is start uh, having mothers uh, give birth to the baby at two months, and then put it in a pouch that they keep where everyone can see it, and we all know what's happening. And well, it's, it's nice, a person at, at a week, and so. it can vote, and people can have it, relationships with it. They can, <laughs> you know, like you, that could be your friend Larry. You could write uh, because it off it's on a person. Taxes. Because it's a person. Yeah, you should be able to write it off on taxes. I would think. Yeah, it should uh, be able to own a gun. Yeah, and, <laughs> that's important. Yeah, obviously, and it should have to serve jury duty. And uh, uh, maybe mandatory military service. What if a fetus served jury duty? Like a pregnant woman just sat there and like just sat there with her stomach on the counter. Yeah, like I'm not allowed to listen. Yeah, yeah. She has earmuffs on. (laughs) That's funny. Can babies drive or no? Oh, definitely. If they can pass the test, which there shouldn't be one. Did you ever see that clip of that? uh, libertarian debate. Which one? The one, uh, you can find it on YouTube and it's, who is the guy that ran like, uh, against Trump who was the libertarian? It was the year that Trump was running. Rand Paul? Uh, and, hmm? Rand Paul? No, no. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he was the eventual nominee, but, and he was at the debates amongst the candidates and, uh, the, the question that they put to them is, should, uh, you, uh, driver's license be required to legally operate a vehicle? No, says the libertarian. And the first one says, hell no. <laughs> and the whole crowd's like, yeah. And then they cut to the next one and he says, what's next? <laughs> you need a license to make toast? In your own damn toaster oven. <laughs> and the whole crowd's like, yeah, fuck yeah. And then they cut to the guy who was eventually going to be the nominee. And he's like, I don't know. I think maybe there should be some reasonable restrictions here. And the whole crowd's like, boo. 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 Regulation and restrictions are like the F word when you're doing a libertarian debate. Yeah, we're, We are the guys who chose to come to a libertarian party debate. Do you think that's what we want to hear? Yeah, exactly. You have to know your audience at that point. Yeah, you gotta you gotta play to the the center of your your base <laughs> of the Libertarian Party. It's funny to think of the center of the Libertarian Bay. I don't even know where that is. Yeah, or I guess the the most uh, maybe the most motivated voters in the Libertarian Party. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's how you work it out. Now. Um, I just want to know how you're feeling right now. I'm feeling frightened. 
No, you're not. Are you? I am. I just because I live near a river. So oh no, you're in danger. Yeah, is the bunyip real? Is real? Check it, Bavakasha. Hey. hey. Uh, you know. There's been a lot of debate over the Bunyip's uh, origins, uh, various uh-huh. attempts to understand and explain the Bunyip as a physical entity over the past 150 years. Mm. In uh, 1933, Charles Fenner suggested it is likely that the actual origins of the Bunyip lie in the fact that from time to time, seals have made their way up to Murray and the Darling Rivers. They have okay. even been found as far inland as Conargo, and I remind readers that the smooth fur... Prominent apricot eyes and the bellowing cry are characteristic of the seal, especially southern elephant seals and leopard seals. So they're probably just seals. Probably just seals. Another suggestion is that the bunyip may be a cultural memory of extinct Australian marsupials. Okay, that would explain the eggs. Right, so they're probably just extinct rats. Yeah. And in a 2017 Australian BirdLife article, Carl Brandt uh, suggested Aboriginal encounters with the southern cassowary inspired mm. the Bunyip myth. According that would to the explain f- the bird face. <laughs> well, the eggs, at least. And uh, the eggs. According to the first written description of the Bunyip from 1845, the creature, which laid pale blue eggs of immense size... Possessed deadly claws, powerful hind legs, a brightly colored chest, and an emu-like head, characteristic shared with the Australian cassowary. So, it's probably just a cassowary. Or a seal. Or a seal, or a rat that's extinct. Or all three of them merged together into one magical hyper-evolved being. Another association to the bunyip is the shy Australasian bittern. Mm, Okay. During the breeding season, the male call of the... Not male call. I shouldn't say that in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Because no. you'll get the wrong idea because no, you work for the USPS. PTSD. Um, during... <laughs> uh, the male call of this marshmallow ger- uh, bird is a low-pitched boom. Hence, boom. it is occasionally called the bunyip bird. Boom. The, yeah, that's what it sounds like. Show me... What does the bird sound like? Boom. Very odd bird. Uh, this could have colored some Boom. of the myth. Um, uh. Boom. Um, also, remember that real-life bunyip skull ship? Yeah, that thing was freaky. Yeah, that was fake. Oh, okay, that makes sense. By 1847, several experts, including the great W.S. McClay and Professor Owen, had mm. identified the skull as the deformed fetal skull of a foal. Okay, I mean, that's still, it's it does look very much like the deformed fetal skull of a foal. I could see why that would confuse people. Well, I also think it would be kind of cool if, like, um, a bunyip had the deformed head of a fetal foal. Well, it ver- that could explain its bulldog-like description. That, that, that's true. Bulldogs' faces are certainly quite deformed <laughs> due <laughs> to cute. their inbreeding. Well, um, you know, going by those things, you know, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to conclude that the bunyip, until proven to me uh, with further research and proof, is not real. 
Okay. Well, I guess that's one man talking. And it looks like we're getting the red light from Uncle Monster. Uncle Monster, how are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. Oh, that's great to hear. I mean, what have you been up to? Man, I've just been doing my thing. You know what I'm saying. Do you listen to Montel Jordan? Yeah, I listen to Montel. <laughs> do you have any do you have any suggestions on movies we can watch, you know, to fill our time because no one in the audience or between us really have anything to do other than watch uh, listen to the show. So what movies can we watch to keep ourselves busy? I would recommend watching Crocodile Dundee 2. It's better than one. Is it? I think so. <laughs> he gets to go back to Australia and Colombian drug lords try to kill him. That's not a movie. This is a movie. This is a great movie. <laughs> well, what about you, Uncle Monster 2? Oh, my brother that I licensed my act from. Thank you so much for all the talent. Oh, and do you have any movie recommendations for us, Uncle Monster 2? Yeah, if you're a fan of the old Hellraiser, don't watch the new Hellraiser. Because Pinhead's a lady. It just don't make a sense. It's true. They should keep broads out of pictures. Thanks, Jebel. I knew you'd understand. And thank you, listeners, for listening this week. Also, R.I.P. to Gallagher. Oh, that sucks. Inspiration for Uncle Monster 2, indirectly. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. He died, I guess, uh, this last week. Although, when this is coming out several months ago. Oh, well, we're sorry whether it be on the day of or months later. We are still sorry to hear of any good, funny man going down. So we're sorry, Gallagher. We hope you live on in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And we hope that you check us out on social media, listeners. Yeah. Meanwhile, more importantly, uh, you can uh, get us at UncleMonster6 on Instagram, UncleMonster6 at Patreon, where we'd love you to check us out. And of course, UncleMonsterPodcast on Twitter. If Twitter's still around. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, concentrate on the other ones in Patreon, of course, because, you know, I mean, the Twitter thing we're not going to put much stock into right now. But uh, Patreon, we've got a bunch of fun bonus episodes. Right now, we're probably still going through the Leprechaun franchise, unless Leprechaun 4 in space turned out to just be too bad. Uh, you so guys, you have not you have not experienced these movies until you've watched them and then heard them reviewed by us. I'm telling you, we add a, a not a not, an unneeded but uh, a lovable dimension to these films. So check out Patreon. Thank you so much for tuning in. We love having you. We do it for you. We enjoy it because of you. And thank you so much. And until next time. <gasps> Don't get spooked. spooked.